Uh, let's uh, let's begin with the Fatiha from Aisha, please. Alhamdulillahirrahmanirrahim <laughs> Sirat al-Ladina an'amta alayhim Khayril makhdubi alayhim wala ta'alim Ameen still on mute Good. Okay, I'm stretching out the, scre the screen. And don't forget, you can put gallery view and then squish the screen a little bit bigger so you get to see more of the beautiful faces. So, so we're looking at Fatir. And so the, this is a very interesting word, uh, sort of grammatically, for one. There's a, in the when we have the, uh, the lexicons, we have the description of Fatir in this following way. Uh, just a second, let me check something else. Uh, make sure everyone that we're muted. So everyone, okay, I guess that's working. Uh, so Fatir in the lexicon, we understand that the Arabic language, which is not the same as the Arabic language, the Arabic language is a language of the Arab up until the time of the passing of Muhammad So that's the time period of the Arabic language. Anything else that happens later is Arabic. And so uh, we realized that the people in those days, they knew that they had to find out what the Arabic language says, what, what its meanings were. And so in this position, in this situation, I think it's Ibn Abbas who says, <clears throat> I never knew what Fatir meant <clears throat> until I saw two Bedouin, uh, two of the Bedouins, they were fighting each other or arguing with each other about whose water the well, whose well it was. And he says, I am the Fatir of that well. And so that was their argument. So we learned both that people were finding out what is the, the Arabic language and its meaning for Fatir is the one who digs a shovel into the ground and a well, and then digs down until the water lens starts coming up. So fatir means splitting because the shovel splits the ground. And it also means being the first to do something or making something that wasn't there before. And so this fatir has to do with originating, but also splitting. So splitting, and so we have the imagery of the splitting of the heavens and the earth. And uh, that's another one uh, from Ibn Abbas who said, if I told you what the meaning of the command, the divine command is put between the heavens and the earth, you would stone me. So we know for sure that this, that this is the kind of imagery that is happening here, but uh, people like Ibn Abbas know not to say anything about it. So these, the people who were studying the Arabic language, going into the Arabic language in order to understand Quran, 
And so what the meanings were not in contemporary, their contemporary Arabic, but in the Arabi language. And what happened is that in the next generations, some of the greatest of these scholars who studied the Arabi language were Persian speaking, uh, later someone coming from India, one of the greatest of, of the lexic lexicographers. And so this is a, a bit of the background of the word Fatir. And so for Ibn Arabi, he's going to be looking at the opening of the gates, the gates being latched closed, and the character of each mother community. So the character here is the fitra, which is another word that comes from fatir. So fitra is the innate characteristic, what you were first created upon. And if Saleh is, uh, is here from Yemen, he could recite for us a few of the verses of this surah, please. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله فاطر السماوات والأرض جاعه الملائكة رسلا جاعه الملائكة رسلا أولي أجنحة مثنى وثلاث ورباء يزيد في الخلق ما يشاء إن الله على كل شيء قدير ما يفتح الله للناس من رحمة فلا ممسك لها وما يمسك فلا مرسل له من بعده وهو العزيز الحكيم يا أيها الناس اذكروا نعمة الله عليكم هل من خالق غيره يرزقكم من السماء والأرض لا إله إلا هو فأنا تؤفكون وإن يكذبوك فقد كذبت رسل قبلك وإلى الله ترجع الأمور صدق الله العلي العظيم. Thank you. And this is the poem that Ibn Arabi begins his chapter on the Fatir with. Do not fling aside anything that is. Indeed, everything that is has a descriptive based on the true. And everything that is, they are each signposts. Because the true is jealously protective that they be his, the true is their very eyes. 
Quran and revelation come this true. If not for my utter dependence and my complete lowliness, I would not be in league with him, being his eyes, nor would his nearness be verified from me and his jealously sticking close by my side. For his right you, every side of being is racing, like Hajar for water for her son, and striding forth like Moses for fire for his family. This has been resolved in the book of God as a teaching. Everything, each of these entities glorifies who, and for this reason, he brought them into being, and God knows all. Everything that is, of all that is, is utterly dependent during every moment in pleasure and in pain. Where is independence? The word of God negates it. You will see only someone utterly dependent, his being sent to nothingness. Okay, thank you. So be thinking as we go why this is the illustration that is that I selected for this poem. So connect that by the end of the session. So this is a, a marketplace situation. So here, uh, where is independence? The word of God negates it. You will see only someone utterly dependent, his being sent to nothing. Um, and we'll find out why this is such a hopeful and merciful uh, concept or idea. Uh, Omar, could you read the, the two verses and translation? O people, you are the ones that have need of God. He is the all-sufficient, the all-praised. If he wills, he can put you away and bring a new creation. Sadaqallahu al-Azim. Good, thank you. So why we are poor dependents. So Ibn Arabi begins the prose part of this chapter. God says, indeed, God is independent of the worlds. And he says, Satan threatens you with poverty and he bids you to conduct unseemly. God promises you his forgiveness, forgiving what Satan bid you to do, which was unseemly and bounties as he bade you to poverty. And God is vastly encompassing all knowing. And he says, O oh, you people, you are the poor dependents on God, but God is the independent, all praised. And he said to Abu Yazid al-Bistami, O oh, Abu Yazid, approach me by means of what is not mine, lowliness and dependency. So dependency, lowliness, and this great need and utter dependency that we have is the means to approach the divine. And the divine is the only one who has being. The being that we have comes and goes. So to 
come to the place where we have always have being is to come to the place where the divine provides that being. And to come to that place, we are low, dependent, and in utter need. So lowliness, dependency, and utter need are the signs that we are linking to the being which never dies, which is the living. And so this, so whether this is in pain or in pleasure, whether this is easy for us or difficult, the difficult parts make us in a position to say, I need you. And that medet, that call for help, is the call for the link to the being that never dies. And so the call for help is the path to what we need and what we want. And this goes against what we think we might need and what we think we might want. Uh, because what we think we need is, a, is something that actually won't get us where we want to be. So we, if we want our being that comes to me to stay always, it's not going to stay always. And so rather than depend on the being that comes to me, which then can be taken away and is taken away every moment, then my dependence should be on the being that will never not be. And so pain and difficulty and intensity, all of this is our path to the being that always is. The mystic guide opens the way, brilliant space surrounds the soul. The rose of light, its petals, divine names, blossoms in the grateful heart. The mystic guide pours the true wine, his tears of love flood the world. His blessed face, a golden coron, shining as the rising sun. In your painful mystery of love, lovers find the cure for pain. Wandering through the desert of longing, crying aloud, Allah, Allah, drunk with delight, censored by men, eyes aflame with desperate love. Your friends cry out like Moses on the mountain, Lord, reveal yourself to me. My eyes are weeping with love's agony as I dance on the mystic way, possessing nothing, not even myself, crying out, poverty is my pride, my direction of prayer is your face, my victory banner reads all is he. Paradise is not my concern, hell is not my anxiety. You are what they praise at the holy kappa. You are what they seek at temples and shrines. I am free from every religion, crying aloud, Allah, Allah. 
Strive to become the true human being, one who knows love, one who knows pain. Be full, be humble, be utterly silent, be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. Be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. Be the bowl of wine passed from hand to hand. Thank you. So in the poem, we had the reference to Hajar, you know, racing for water, uh, looking for water for her son. And of course, what she finds is Zamzam. She meets, she connects with Zamzam, who is water that is supplied to this day and is always coming to us. And then the other uh, reference was to Moses when he leaves the family to go look for a firebrand or look for a fire or from, or from information about where he might find a fire for his family. And so his journey out <clears throat> is, to, is for the need of his family. And Hajj's journey, his, her, her going back and forth, back and forth between the two hills, that journey is for the sake of her son. And so going out for the needs of others is, Ibn Arabi always tells us, is the way that you then meet what you want to meet. And that is you meet the divine. So you meet the divine when you run and race for the needs of others. And that's because the needs are the way that we connect to the divine. We connect through the needs. Those needs can be, are often expressed as pain and suffering. They're also expressed as knowing that you are utterly dependent on the divine. And so when you know that, that connection rises and then it meets you. And this is, uh, we saw last week with the person who was utterly sure that he was going to die. And he said, and he met in this state of utter desperation, instead of calling for help, he said, this is reality. And the link was there, and he said, this is the taqdeer. This is had been measured out by God. And when he said that, the bird swoops him up, and that bird is that verse. So the link, the zamzam, the fire, the Torah through the Mount Sinai, the link to the divine is through neediness, needing something. And when we recognize that we need, then the link becomes clear. So this, Ibn uh, Arabi will tell about these gates of op opening gates, and they'll talk about adab. So adab is usually understood simply as torment or chastisement or punishment. But in the language itself, in the Arabi language itself, adab also means sweet water. And so when you hear in Arabi, that is in the Quran or in those writings which are Arabi, you will hear adab as both torment and sweet water. So learn, Ibn Arabi says, that God has gates he opens for good and gates he makes stand at the ready. So these are gates that are ready to be opened. The nows of their moment for their opening not yet reached and therefore good also. So they're gates open for good, and there are other gates that have been ready to open for good when the time comes. And he has gates he opens for the pain expressed by adab, torment, when the matter of torments people return to torment's original lexical meaning. 
So when torment returns to sweet water. So the torment becomes sweet water in the next moment. This is why torment is called adab, torment slash sweet water. In fact, this one finds sweet water in the next matter because only then does he remember his Lord. So his torment was not remembering his Lord. And when he remembered his Lord, the torment turned to sweet water. You see, when human beings are hit by hurt and the ropes, so the ropes and the means, so these are what we, info, what we might call secondary causes, but in, in the Arabi, it's ropes. And that's the ropes that you hang down a bucket to the well and the pull the bucket up with these ropes. So the way that the bucket of water rises to you is through the ropes. So when human beings are hit by hurt and the ropes and the means to remove the hurt are severed, and this is the most severe torment, they remember their Lord. They return to him forced by the exigency, not voluntarily. So you're forced to turn to God. So they find sweet water when this happens, the matter which returns them to God. So you have returned to God and you find sweet water. They remember him and he takes them out of the dominion of their neglectfulness and their forgetfulness. So when we forget and neglect, we are in torment. When the neglecting and the forgetting uh, are, have pain and hurt included, then suddenly we remember Allah, turn to Allah, and then we find sweet water. Therefore, one calls this adab, torment, then sweet water. This word is a good tiding for the one the word takes up its abode in through kind mercy, that she, mercy, will pursue and soon attain one. So this is the imagery of the Rah Rahman, is a horse which with a big chest, but is very slow. And so as the horses are racing, it looks like all of the vengeance and all the wrath, those horses are going really, really fast. But Rahman horse, in the end, uh, gets out in front because she has the, the biggest chest, the greatest uh, stanima. And when she sees the stake, so in the horse race, whoever grabs the stake first is the winner. The stake, Ibn Arabi says, is humanity. So when she finally gets there, she picks up the stake and it is humanity. She says, I have you. I have outstripped the rest. So Rahma outstrips everything else all the other horses. There is no more gentle connection of the true to his good tiding to his creatures during a moment of intense difficulty and of easy circumstance. So easy circumstance, if they lead us to neglectfulness and forgetting, we, the link is severed and we actually become tormented. If not for this, the statement in his word would not be true. Is then one against whom the word adab is rightfully due? So he brings the word adab. So everyone has the word adab, meaning torment and then sweet water, is due for everyone. And it's our way, well, it's the divine way for us to be returned to our true being. So the imagery is of a wall. So araf in the Quran is a wall. And in a sense, uh, there's one imagery of it's like sitting on the fence where you're on a wall and you're neither here nor there. But Ibn Arabi will, will bring that and another imagery up. 
And he'll say, the most distressing of pains is the non-being of the attainment of one's wishes. And we have related that God says to the angel, do not resolve the need of so-and-so at this time, because I indeed love to hear his voice. And then the other part of the story is that when the person that he doesn't like to hear that person's voice says, resolve his need right away. Now, if that person expressed his pain with lamenting because of an absence of that which he was begging his Lord for, then this precludes the one pain from divine mercy. And then the wall will be put up between them with a gate therein. Within will be mercy throughout, that is pure mercy, and without it all alongside will be adab, that is mixed mercy, torment and sweet water. And he does not say without will be only adab, this because of his knowledge of what the matter returns to. You see, he's explaining that the within of the sight, inside it is pure rahma, and the without of it will only function according to the rule of the inward. So this is very important. The inward is the rule for the outward. So what the, the inward is pure mercy, and that pure mercy rules the outside as well. So the matter of causes of pain in the outward is based only on a rahma in the inward. The rule of the inward is effective in the outward. Do not the limbs, and they are the outward of you, operate only based on the intent of the inward. The inward who is the operator of them. Intent is inward, no doubt. The adab is the outward of the wall only based on an intent of rahma for you. So there is torment outside the wall only because rahma is intended for you. A rahma which is in the inward part of the wall. So pain is nothing but the lack of pleasure and the attainment of wishes. So with God, there's only a gate opening the gates of rahma. However, there is an outward rahma which has no pain in her, and then there's an inward in which there is pain during a time, nothing else. Then her rule appears in the final destination. So the pains are happenstances, they just happen, and the pleasures are fixed and steadfast. Therefore, the world is a site of Rahma essentially lamenting pain because of what happens by chance to him, to the world. God is inaccessible, all-wise, placing wisely the matters in their proper places and setting them down in their fitting, aligning places. This is why there comes in the report from Messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in a long story, saying in the story, indeed, God is more compassionate for his slave than this mother for her child. He pointed to the woman. And so there are two hadiths that, that Ibn Arabi may be referring to, and we'll have, uh, if Aisha could read those two hadith. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. We were with the messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, in one of his battles, and he passed by a tribe. He asked who... He asked who the tribe was, and they said, we are Muslims. A woman was putting firewood in the oven, and with her was a child of hers. When the flames rose from the oven, she moved him back. She came to the Prophet <clears throat> and asked, you are a messenger of God? He said, yes. She said, my father and mother be ransomed for you. Is not God the most merciful of the merciful? He said, of course. She said, is not God more merciful to his creatures than the mother is to her child? He said, of course. She said, yes, surely the mother will not throw her child into the fire. Messenger of God, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, fell to sobbing. A captive was searching for someone, and whenever she found a child, 
among the prisoners, she took hold of it and pressed it against her chest and provided it suck. Thereupon, messenger of God said, do you think this woman would ever throw her child in the fire? We said, by God, if it were in her power not to do so, never. Messenger of God said, God is more merciful to his creatures than this woman is to her child. And note that both contexts are wars and violence, the mixed life we are in. Yeah, this is, both, both these hadith, this is the context of captives and, and wars. He's on a battle somewhere of wars and violence, and this is the mixed life. And the mixed life, when you see it this way, then you see that this is a Rahmah, because the pains and the difficulties and the violence and the wars are all means to understand our utter dependency on the divine. And when we understand that, and we remember Allah, then the link is made, and the imdad, the madet, is, is connected, and we go from torment to sweet water. And also, we saw with Hajar and Musa, salam, that we saw with both of them that it was they were not looking out for their own needs, they were looking out for someone else's needs. So therefore, this is another path, is to look out for the other person's need, to see the pain the other person is having, and to, and to race towards working and helping that person. And that racing to help that person is the link. And so Madet is there as well. So that is the connective link. And these uh, take place. Uh, with, and so in this, we then, when those people who can connect to the divine, they realize that pain and pleasure are only, the, the pleasure can be a forgetfulness and the pain is there to remind you to connect. And so if they connect, then they are beyond pain and pleasure because they have the connection to the one who never dies, to the all, all living, alhamdulillah. So, Baki. What need have I for sweetness or bliss? I long for Allah, I why is there a side that heart to draw me into the play? There is only love, 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 love. This world lives in childish nostalgia. Empty memory, empty home. I belong to Funer, open My concern is not for pessimistic state. I look for Allah alone exists. Where is soul and paradise when other people There is only love, 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 love. Unity is the only cure for this fever. This delusion, separation, you. 
that they are poor dependents essentially poverty never ceases to accompany them forever and ever because their essence is forever for them the ropes are set down which bring to them with their presence that which they are dependent on so then they are dependent on the ropes god makes the entity of the ropes to be names belonging to who god makes the entity of the ropes to be names belonging to who so the names of the ropes are part of his exalted names, so that you one will depend solely on who. There is no difference among the family of Kesh between the names which are so-called in convention, so these divine 99 names and so on, and revelation as being names of God, and the names of the ropes as being names of God. So nourishment uh, is no different from the nourisher. You see, he says, you are the dependence on God. And we, we see dependency on the ropes coming to pass. So certainly the names of the ropes are names of God. So all of the means to bring things that we need to us are names of God. And we call on him using these names with a prayer calling on, which is as if to say, not a prayer using phrases. So we call without using uh, verbalized phrases. For instance, when hunger touches us, we hurry to the nourishment which remove the hunger pangs, and we depend on this nourishment. But the nourishment is free of need and independent of us. Therefore, we are depending only on God. This is one of his names, that is, the image of this nourishment, alighting in the place and corresponding to the image of the divine name uttered as a word or an image of this name written down. So there is the, the unspoken when you are hungry, you are calling on a name of God. And you can also call as a word, and you can call and you can write this image down. This is why he tells us to thank the ropes, because he told us to thank him. So this is a laudation of him through the thanking of the ropes. And then the advice uh, in Luk for Lukman, and thank me and your parents. Uh, so Omar, if you could read these two verses. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يا أيها الناس اذكروا نعمة الله عليكم 
هل من خالق غير الله الله يرزقكم من السماء والأرض لا إله إلا هو فأنا تؤفكون O people, remember the grace of God upon you. Is there any creator other than God who provides for you from the sky and the earth? لا إله إلا هو None has the right to be worshipped but who? How then are you turning away? ألم ترى إن الله أنزل من السماء ماء فأخرجنا به ثمرات مختلفة أو لألوانها ومن الجبال جدد بيض وحمر مختلف ألوانها وغرائب سود Do you not see that Allah sends down water from the cloud then we bring forth Therewith uh, there, there fruits of various colors, and in the mountains are streaks, white and red, of various hues, and others intensely black. Sadaqallahu al-Azim. Thank you. So because the true is jealously protective that they be his, the true is their very eyes. So that these ropes, all of these ropes, all these means of our, what we need, means of bringing what we need to us. Since Allah is jealous that they be his and that he be recognized, all of these ropes, all of these means are his names. If not for my utter dependence and my complete loneliness, I would not be in league with him nor would his nearness be verified for me and his jealously sticking close by my side. So how far away is our need? Close by our side. So jealously becoming, saying, I am the one who is providing this need, means that Allah has to go through the ropes to provide these needs. And so therefore the ropes are Allah's names moving through these ropes to get to us, to give us what we need. So and then, and then later on in this chapter, Ibn Arabi will give another uh, beautiful imagery of how we are connected and how we get these connections. And we get some of these connections are the ones we get through the friends. And learn that part of the mercy of God for his creation is that he makes in the footsteps of each prophet and friend one inheritor or more. Certainly there is in each age 124,000 friends corresponding to the count of the prophets. They may be more, but not less. So you can have some fun and divide these numbers up into bigger numbers. You can look at the number of language groups and divide this 124,000 in there and find out how many friends are in each language group. You can divide regions and find out how many friends there are in each region. And what's wonderful is you don't get numbers like one, two, three, you get numbers like 100 or 200 or 300. So this is a beautiful thing. If they are more, God divides up the inheritance of the knowledge that profit for the one who inherits. You see, the knowing sent down to the hearts of the prophet are never removed from the world, and they have only the hearts of the great ones to alight upon. So they are divided up commensurate with their number. So there are these, this treasure of knowledge that the prophets bring has to come down and it will never leave. And when it comes down and never leaves, it has to find hearts to hold it. And these hearts are the friends who hold it.
And certainly in the community, there are friends, the number of the prophets or more. We narrate from Khader or Khizr that he said, there is no day in which I do not speak to myself and say, there is no friend of God in the earth, except I have seen them and have met with them. And then inevitably it happens to me that I meet on that day, a friend of God I had not known about before that. So notice Ibn Arabi saying, we narrate from Khadir. He's giving a hadith from Khizr, from his transmission, his hadith uh, narration. And we narrate from him that he said, I met with a person one day I had not known about. He said to me, O Khizr, peace be upon you. I said to him, where do you know me from? He said to me, indeed, God introduced me to you and made me, known, made me know of you. So then I learned that God has creatures who know Khizr, but Khizr does not know them. And then Ibn Arabi looks at this question about these ropes and names. If the ropes are names, uh, what happens when some of these ropes are not needed anymore, it seems? So when Rahma spreads universally and the effects which contradict Rahma are removed, the correlations of the name which appoint effects for her are lifted because they return to a single entity. So the names, these ropes go back to who? It is just as he clarifies in his word, to Allah belongs the most beautiful names. And he said, say, call on Allah or call on Ar-Rahman, whichever you call upon, to who belongs the most beautiful names. The names are applied and set down, and they apply and set down the truths of the enabled beings concerning what they demand, what we need. So according to the measure they are amid, that is their preparation and readiness, they, we, seek what is correlated to that, namely divine abundance. So when it is given, they apply and set down for every entity a name. And when no preparation remains for them to receive pain or torment, neither trial nor torment finds an entity for itself. So in this next configuration, because there is a lack of receptivity. Thus the correlations of the names, specially appointed by these principles, are lifted and removed because the places which were receiving them are removed. So these ropes are there and these names are there only to bring us back to where we belong. And so the question then becomes, if there is no hunger, then what, where, what happens to that rope? So Ibn Arabi gives us one, one he, has, he has many examples throughout the Futuha, but this is one of them. And what who has in the names is two properties in the receptor. This still remains. So he says the name will have two properties. For example, the forgiver. This name is the coverer. So forgiving is also saktar, to also cover. But there remains no offense demanding the forgiver. And the forgiver has a property of the veil, given that he has a veil unrestrictedly. So there remains the forgiver who veils something even if anyone offending has disappeared. So once there's no need for a forgiving, there is still a covering. And so the name Rafar, Rafur, forgiving, but also covering, uh, continues to act with its covering, his covering part, rather than his forgiving part. You see, forgiveness is certainly there as covering. And if not for that, there would be no more and no new creation. So if there was no more forgiver, this name was, would end completely, then there would be nothing else to come next. So the more is established in perpetuity 
and lifting the covering veil is established in perpetuity, perpetuity. So we always want to have the name which covers and then the name which lifts and then another name which covers and then lifts. So we want that because of the newness. We want everything to be new in this new creations. The all forget. So now this is different from the Avenger because the receiver of vengeance has been removed. So the particular application disappears. So learn this. And then he goes in in this lighting place of the knowings and he gives us that long, long list. So uh, but he is he uh, Ibn Arabi is, is very conscious that he has to give us the examples of what about this divine name or this rope? Uh, when they're when everyone's uh, in the garden and everyone is in sweet water in the fire, you know, where would there be need for Avenger? And so Ibn Arabi will have to explain that to us. And he does. Uh, but this is what he's telling us. These names are the ropes and the ropes are the means that we get to where we belong. Alhamdulillah. So. Okay. Thank you. Sorry if it's noisy, but it seems that it's either raining or sleeting. Just now started in the background. Um, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, very, thanks to Salah for a beautiful recitation. And, uh, mm -hmm. and thank you for Omar and the singers and the poem reciter. Thank you. Um, what does Ibn Arabi teach about prayer? When we pray for what we want, it may not be what Allah wants for us or what is in our best interest. Ah, but it is a prayer to the one who answers prayers, so therefore it is the right thing. Uh, what prayer does is it, it is the medet, it creates the imdad, it creates this connection and the connection is there. And so whether we're praying for this or that or the other thing, uh, our connection is what we are really needing, and the prayer is making that connection. And then there are the prayers which are as if they are spoken. In other words, when your stomach rumbles with hunger, that is a prayer saying, I need nourishment. And nourishment is the rope which will, uh, when the time comes, which will satisfy your hunger. And so you have called on a divine name by having the stomach rumble. Wonderful. Um, how marvelous is your torment and sweet water, because that is precisely what I've gone through the last few days. As I went through this torment, I kept hearing Allah calling to me to wake and let go of the torment. When I did, I felt restored and drank deeply. Right, right. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, the, so the, the, the torment that is there is so that we remember. And when we remember, it turns to sweet water. It's re, it restores us. And so uh, that restoration, we do that, we can do that with ourselves, we can do that with other people who are in need. And uh, so this is how Ibn Arabi keeps uh, citing Hajar and Musa, peace be upon them both, cites them as people who went out for the needs of others, their family and their child, they went out for the needs of the others. And that that intensity of their uh, prayer that I, I need something for my family, that intensity 
uh, created this connection, this medet. And that connection for Musa alayhi salam was the Torah and Mount Sinai and the speaking to with Allah. And so he is the Kalim Allah. He's the one who speaks to God. And for Hajar, that was the Zamzam, which was the water that would, which would save her child, and which to this day remains an open connection and link to human beings. Is the translation of Quranic verses from Hazrati Ibn Arabi, Rahmatullah Alehi? Uh, or is it yours? Yeah, so uh, it's it's usually kind of a mix between uh, mine and then and then other other translations, and so that's something. Uh, there's sometimes where the where the translation really doesn't bring out what Ibn Arabi wants to have come out, and so I have I have to bring something into that translation. Um, so th so that's that's that that's how that works. Okay. So profound. Ropes are divine names extended to us in our needs. Um, and then another uh, thing here, in the ayat, there were mention of white, red, and black rivers. Could you touch on that? Okay, so that's something that Salah just discovered uh, in the last few days. And I still don't, I'm still trying to figure out what he told me. Uh, Salah is looking at uh, that these colors and how the, and how the black is, is treated as very much a separate one. And, and there's a mystery and a, and a beauty in there as well. So I think we'll have to let Salah give, give us that uh, description. Um, and I'm still learning it. So I'll, I'll, uh, perhaps we can we can bring that up for the for the next week. Maybe just a quick uh, insight into what he's found, and he's he's found that from this close close study of this verse and very carefully looking at how the words are arranged, uh, there's there's a great mystery inside there. So and this this is the beauty that the deeper you dive into a verse, the more truths come out. And at some point you begin to see these truths like, wow, there's Rahman there, there's Rahman here, there's Rahma there. And at some point uh, you, you realize that when other people are reading it and they're not seeing that, you say, oh my God, don't you see that that is actually a verse of Rahma? And don't you see that Adab is actually a, has the rule from the inside and the inside is Rahma. So uh, it, it becomes very powerful. And the reason, so that's the reason that we have these, these things out here is that these outward things are mixed, but they're all ruled by the inward, which is Rahma. And the mixed part is necessary for a number of reasons. One of them is as we looked in this chapter, it's to bring us to remember where we come from and that we are dependent on Allah. And what a great mercy that is. If I were dependent on my own being, which comes and goes, I would be in a horrible situation. If I depend on the being that never will not be, then I am then I am suddenly linked to the one who will never not be. And so Ibn Arabi says that therefore these pains and torments and then threats, for instance, in the Quran, because we know that when you threaten something, the honorable person is able to will always follow through on their promises. But when it comes to a threat, they can say, I won't follow through with my threat. They will always follow a promise, but they can drop the threat. 
And so the threats are there for those who need it. And Ibn Arabi says there are two types of people. There are Jesus-based people and John the Baptist-based people. John the Baptist people, people are the ones who want you to shout at them and say, if you don't mend your ways, if you don't fix yourself, you're going to hell and brimstone and fire. And they need to hear that. And their mercy is the mercy is that they will hear that and then they will change and they will remember who they really are. The Jesus-based people, where most of the Sufis are us Jesus-based people, it's love and hope and expectation. <laughs> and, so, um, and so you always see, oh, everything is going to be good and, it's, and, and everything is, I hope for good things and I expect good things and I hear mercy in everything. Whereas the John the Baptist people, they need to be shouted at a bit. So uh, it, and, but that shows you that because the Quran is universal, it has to speak to everyone and everyone, and not everyone is like, like you and me who likes to hear all the good things all the time. Some of them have to hear some of the bad things too. <laughs> uh, you made the long list at the end. Can you remind us of this list, its content and when you covered it before? So at the end of each of these chapters, uh, he, he, has, he has a list of all of the, the mysteries and knowledges and knowings that you'll get when you alight in this place. So all of, when you alight in this place where the surah comes from, you will find this, this, that, and the other thing. And so right, very early on, uh, someone, he's writing, as he's writing, he says, and someone told me that I was wondering how I'm going to handle writing all of these mysteries and all of these knowings in each of these surahs, uh, and especially when the surahs get longer and longer. And he says, someone said, why don't you just make a list of the things? And then that will encourage us to then go back and study those things and look for them for ourselves. So Ibn Arabi says, I was never so happiest when I heard that suggestion. So he takes the suggestion, he's going to list for you all the things that are in there. And that is to encourage us to when we go to that alighting place, we should look for this, that, and the other thing. <laughs> when we don't feel the torment, how do we call on the name Endlessly. Yeah, so that, and we see when you look back, you connect all, all this to the love as well. So, the, whatever you love, you are actually loving Allah, and you can never encompass and never have enough of love. So, Abayazid Bistami says if you drink the entire uh, sea uh, and you're still thirsty, that's what love is. So it means that you, you never get enough. So you will never not say more, more, more. And we're also one of the reasons that we are, we did this, we talked about this last week, the reason that we are made to forget is so that we can always ask for more and never be content and satisfied for what we have. So Ibn Arabi says, always ask for the more. Never say to your beloved, that's enough. I've had a good look at you. Now I'm going to do something else. <laughs> so, so uh, and that's why the beloved is never encompassed. We never have enough. And so the, the lover says, knows that I, I never have enough. And then the knower also says, you know, knowledge, we never have enough of that either. And that's why the only thing that the Prophet was told and for us to also say, only ask for one thing to have more of, and that is knowledge. So we should have more knowledge and not asking. We don't ask for anything else. We want knowledge. And then the lover says, all I want is to be loved. And since the beloved keeps moving away, I have to keep coming. <laughs> is this torment sweet water 
um, yeah, I think we had a, a freeze there, but yeah, yeah, yeah the, Ibn Arabi is saying that when the Quran speaks of Arab. Oh, well, Shuaib, you, you're there. Your screen was frozen. We couldn't hear you. Yeah, I, yeah. Yeah, I think both of our screens froze. Okay, yes. Yeah, so uh, Arab, uh, which is translated as torment or chastisement or punishment. And uh, I, I end up translating torment because you want to be able to tell people that there's something else inside this word Arab. And what is inside this word adab is sweet water. So every time you read a passage in the Quran and you see adab, then you will be you will you need to read that as torment. And then in the back of that torment or inside of that torment is mercy. And that the ruler is the ruler on the inside. So the ruler of my outside body is inside me. And so the rule of the outside pain and torment is inside mercy. And so that's and it, it, of course, changes completely every time when you see that when you take this knowledge, and this is a lexical uh, truth. So I, I at one point, uh, it was very clear that, that all of these mysteries and, and wonderful insights and amazing, shocking things that Ibn Arabi said, are actually inside the language itself. And uh, one of the great lexic lexicons is the one we mentioned uh, from the, the man from India. And he, in the 18th century, wrote the, the crown of the brides. So the people, so that's the, the friends. And so this was, and he saw himself as directly in the lineage of Ibn Arabi. And so it is, and so when he writes his dictionary, he's actually writing what the Futahat is telling us all about. And so he'll say adab, and he'll say, well, look at adab, it has torment, and within it is mercy and sweet water. Barakallah ufik, is that how you say it? Barakallah ufik, yeah, beautiful, thank you. Um, do you have a plan for the Ramadan? What subjects, topics you'll be covering? Um, yeah, I just got a note from Sapip's uh, uh, brother in, in London who wants to do something, a podcast with Ramadan month fasting. So uh, I haven't even thought about that, but maybe we'll look into that. Um, but if it's okay with all of you, I'd like to continue with the alighting places. Uh, there seems to be a real uh, momentum in these alighting places. And I felt that what we've done up till December was really look at, at the 28 themes or the, the 28 things we need to know about Ibn Arabi. Um, and then we're now in the application part of our journey. Could you say more to help us understand the need for quote, the cover quote as aspect of forgiveness and the necessity of it in order for creation to exist. Okay, so Rafar, uh, Rafur, that G, H, and F, and R, uh, that name includes within it uh, forgiveness and also covering, covering. And covering is what we talked about um, when you say astaghfirullah, that, that is, I seek Allah's forgiveness, it's also seeking God's covering. And that dua, that prayer, creates an angel who till the day of judgment will be there uh, prepared for asking for forgiveness for you by covering something. And what we saw on the bridge of life is that when you go across the bridge of life, which is you, when you die, you then see this bridge in front of you and you realize that this bridge is your life and it's taking you to the gate of the garden. 
And on that bridge, there can be these snags and gaffs and, and hooks. And so those have to be covered up so that the way is smooth. So those gaffs and hooks are all the things that I did which were mean, which I did from separation, from alienation, uh, angers and hurts. And those can, they, they get covered over. And when they get covered over, they become smooth. And so when I walk through them I, on this bridge, instead of seeing these dangerous hooks and snags, I see these covered areas and these angels have created this covering. So forgiveness and covering in the Arabic word Rafar Rafur um, are they're, they're there together, one's in front of the other or one's behind the other, whichever way we look at it. And so, uh, but when, when the when the person, when the being is in this next world and there is no more uh, something to be forgiven, there's still covering and covering is something gets covered and then unveiled, veiled and unveiled. And part of beauty, the process of beauty is to have something that's veiled become unveiled and then veiled again and unveiled a new way. So that name uh, will continue to have his dominion, uh, not by forgiving, but by covering and the process, the beautiful process of veiling, unveiling, veiling, unveiling. Love that two types pretty much at the same time and cousins too. Yeah, that, yeah, it's it is very interesting that that that's it's a connection there and it and it Ibn Arabi takes that to be, you know, one of the the really helpful ways of understanding human beings. Because if you're one type, it's hard to understand the other type. It really, and, and yet this is a, a way to handle those things. Um, you know, for me, it's very, very difficult to understand the John the Baptist types, but uh, they have their, they, they have, they're going to get their mercy too. And if the mercy has come by shouting, then shouting it will be. <laughs> and so, <laughs> Adab also means trial. So, adab, so when the adab comes, the question is how you react to it. And do you react to what is on the outside, the torment, or what is on the inside, which is the sweet water? So that it is a trial to see how you, how you act. And does it bring you to remembrance? And if it brings you to remembrance, it brings you to your source. And it brings you to the being that will never not be. Okay. Um. Thank you. The translation usually omits the sweet water part. That's right. Um, <laughs> what is the name of the man from India? That's Murtaza or Murtaba um, Azabidi, uh, who the Taj al Urus. And so apparently, I was just trying to, I think he, his, his uh, name is also coming from Yemen. And Yemen, of course, is very, very important for Ibn Arabi. Ibn Arabi also has connections to Yemen, but he was born, I think, in, in UP, in Uttar Pradesh, and so um, in 17-something. So, and his, his uh, dictionary, his lexicon is, is absolutely fascinating. These are things that you can just read page by page, you know, read the dictionary, and there you go. Because in there, you'll get all of these amazing ideas, because you realize that this Arabi language is is incredibly rich um, and it is not a contemporary language it's not just a regular human language like humans have languages it is something which uh, is in, is enclosing all of these very different meanings and almost all of them will have 
their own antonym so they have their own contradiction inside of it so almost all of the words well many many of the words in Arabic in this Arabic language Arabic language um, are their own antonym so and that's how Ibn Arabi works with it. He says, take it this way, now take the same word and flip it, now you get that. <laughs> Can you please explain again how prophetic knowledge is on the hearts of saints? So the, the I think it'll be next week, we're coming to the chapter where Ibn Arabi will, will develop this illustration a little bit more. Um, the, because we talk about being on the heart of someone. And so being on the heart uh, means that you are inheriting from a prophet. And so this prophet will give you the knowledge that was given to this to the prophet, will, will give it to you as an inheritance. And so the friends are the ones who inherit all of these, all of this knowledge. And the friends, it, it comes onto their heart, it comes through the special face that every created being has and then it lodges and alights in the heart. And so therefore, we look towards their heart to find the distribution, the distributor who give, gave the inheritance. So if I look at the heart of the friend, I see their inheritance, and I see the one who gave that as inheritance to them. So I see the prophet, or whichever prophet it is. And that's why we, okay. call, we call on from the heart of our the, this friend. Love the idea of continuing with Buddha's alighting places during Ramadan. Thank you. Um, are there any links or a PDF about the 28 things we need to know to understand Ibn Arabi's writings? And how far ahead are you now with regards application of what is learned? Okay. Yes. So, well, the first, the, the 28, what we're, what we're coming on that, that's, uh, Lishan is going to be putting together an illustrated guide to Ibn Arabi. And we're looking at what we did all the way up till end of December and looking at the 28 images or illustrations which, we, which one needs to know to understand Ibn Arabi. So that's an ongoing project right now. Uh, how far ahead on the application? Yeah, this, this is... Uh, it, it's, it's never all, you know, I'm never done with the Futahat, but I certainly get to certain areas and say, okay, now I know enough to go back and say this and that. And that's already happening in the translation. You know, what I've learned late, uh, lately will, will, can come back into the earlier uh, parts of the translation. And so that's it's ever changing. So I, I make many, many drafts of translation. I, the idea that someone can just take a text and translate on a typewriter and that's it. That's, that's crazy. Um, oh, 10 years ago, chapter one had gone through thousands of openings and closings. And so uh, I go through every text. It's been, it's many, 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 many times. The good news is that uh, I'm getting enough over here lately to be able to do good things in earlier volumes. And the volume three is uh, right now, as we speak, as they say, uh, it's the, the printers in South Korea have just started and they are printing volume three. So uh, these things are, are coming along very beautifully. It, it might've seemed like it took a long time. Why is it so long until we get volume three when here I am translating, you know, volume uh, book 29 or something like that? Well, it's, uh, it is coming and it's coming beautifully. So volume three, keep your eyes open for that as well. 
Asalaamu Alaikum Shuaib. How does the purpose of Adab differ from trials or are they the same? The Quran describes trials for believers, but not Adab for them. So yeah, Adab, uh, this, this torment with, with mercy within, um, in fact, it, it depends on how you're reading. You can read trial uh, and especially when it comes to the faithful that they get trials and so they and their trials um, are their the the daily life and the suffering that comes with with one's life so those are those are the trial but Ibn Arabi takes uh, the verse the first verse is from Surah Al-Baqarah about the people whose eyes are covered over and their ears are covered over and, and they and they have they they're they can't hear what they're supposed to hear and uh, and they're going to have a great adab which is very tremendous and terrible and so everyone kind of reads that as you know these horrible people who just won't listen to the revelation just won't listen to the prophets and they're going to have a horrible punishment and ibn arabi says it also actually refers to the friends because the friends their eyes are covered from seeing anything but god and their ears are covered from hearing anything but god so when someone comes even you O muhammad even when you come and tell them to do something they don't listen to you because all they hear is me and I have kept them to be jealously protective of them so that they will not listen to anyone else, even my beloved Muhammad And so they will have an avab which is terrible. They will have a terrible torment because their life will be one of great pain. And they, and they will never seek outside of me, Allah says, never seek outside of me anyone to solve their problems or to end their suffering. And that's why Job, his, his, he is praised for not trying to solve his problems outside of Allah. Wow. Our tariqat embraces 28 names. And, uh, and 28, 29 uh, letters and 28, 29 mansions of the moon. Uh, this is, this, that's when we, when we came across the number 28, it said, now we know we're on the right track. <laughs> I noticed that in Ibn Arabi's weird, the name Halipeded stands as three and thirty-one. Is their intent? Uh-huh. Oh, well, that's something to, to look at. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and well Halim, because Halim also carries the there's a, it's forbearance, so it's it's able to punish but won't punish. And so that it, it contains uh it contains it within itself many meanings. Yeah. So it's something to look at. That's, those are definitely places to look at. Yes. Alhamdulillah. This being the month of Quran, does Hazreti Ibn Arabi, Rahmatullah Alayhi, recommend how best we recite the Quran? Yeah, this this is we when we looked at chapter 41, I guess, the 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 night prayers. And so what uh, what the night prayers teaches us that's when when Allah comes down and says the night is mine so the night when you and, it, and so this is someone uh, who's beloved of Allah and this beloved of Allah is re is reading the Quran at night and when they read the Quran they hear about the mu'minin and the mu'minat you know the the male faithful and the female faithful and they read it and they say oh how wonderful they are and they stop and they say oh you know god pray i'm praying for these wonderful souls and then they'll read something about the fire and they'll say oh the fire is horrible i hope i will never go into the fire what a terrible awful situation that fire is and they do that all night 
So Allah comes down to them in the third part of the night and says, stop reading that way. Read. <laughs> you need to read with, ask me to say what the Quran is saying. And I will recite the Quran to you in your language. So that's the beauty that I will recite my Quran to you in your language. And uh, so that is uh, to have Allah become our teacher and not to rely on our intellect or other people. Allah becomes our teacher. In Ibn Arabi's daily prayers, he mentions in connection with quote, enemies, quote, place between me and them, a wall with a door in it, the inside of which is compassion, the outside of which is chastisement, quote. Please, could you say a bit about this in relation to what you've said about the wall? Thank you. Yeah, this, yeah, I'm, I've been wanting to look into do translating that, that those daily prayers. And I, I, I hope I can maybe, maybe go into doing that. In a sense, um, Ibn Arabi is speaking, always speaking on many levels at once, just the way each of the words take on many things at once. Um, and so when it, part of it with Rahmah, Ibn Arabi says that, you know, that he is, he is really the one of such Rahmah that he says that that's, that's who he is. And when he, he said, there's nothing in the world that I could not forgive. There's nothing in the, there's no one in the world that I do not wish good kindness and mercy on that person. Um, and so Ibn Arabi is, is definitely that way. He also knows that uh, even in the time of the Prophet the companions, uh, some of the, one of the companions was going out and saying how much the Rahmah of Allah is pervading everywhere. Everyone will have the Rahmah of Allah. Everything will be uh, Rahmah and kind and merciful. And so, uh, and, and, and someone else, another companion said, but don't tell everyone that because some people will try to rely on that. They'll say, well, if that's the case, then I don't have to worry about trying to be, do good things or anything like that. And so because some people are that way, uh, the people who know this truth and, and the Sufis also especially are told not to tell everything to everyone. <laughs> and so we don't, and so it's sometimes important for people to hear things that are, are frightening and terrifying because that terrifies them into the place where they remember. So this, this is, uh, there, there is the fact that that all, all of this is, that the end is, is going to be merciful and Rahmah, and that the final destination is Allah, and that Allah does not have a separate realm or a separate world where good people and bad people are. It's going to be one world. And so how that is, Ibn Arabi explains how that is, but he explains it in the Futuhat, which is not an easy book to read, and he explains it in you know page 5,000 to figure that anyone else has dropped out long before that. So, uh, so that's why I wondered whether I should try to look at this at that those those prayers or whether part of that is he's keeping a John the Baptist approach inside some of those prayers. Following up on reading the Quran, you offered an image Quran being between our shoulders. Can you remind us of this please? Yeah. So the one who has has memorized the Quran has has put it between their shoulders and has put nabuwat has put prophecy between their shoulders. And so uh so to put nabuat prophethood between the shoulders is to have that heart access to revelation 
And so that heart access to revelation uh, never gives law, but does give other parts of prophecy, and especially the true dream. And so uh, holding the Quran between the shoulders is to have this nabuat, and that so when you speak, you speak as the prophet spoke through the, with the Quran. And, uh, and Ibn Arabi says that this goes all the way, you know, down, if you want to say that we're down, all the way to the person who says, Allah, here's the one who praises him. And this was said on the tongue of his slave. So on the tongue of Allah's slave, Allah, here's the one who praises him. So we say, And so that right there is, is Quran, is, is, a, is a revealed statement that Allah spoke on this person's tongue, this statement. And so that is a Quran. Um, and so Ibn Arabi talks about that you want to be this, this, these Qurans, and you want to therefore be words of God. And then we are words of God, because when we are, that's because we were told to be, and then we became. So we are answering, we are the answers to the imperative be, and we are, and then therefore we are words of God. And so we looked at that, I think two weeks ago, the Kalimat Allah, we are words of God and we're never exhausted, we're never finished, there's no end of us. So we never say, okay, that's enough for this guy here, that's it. It never, never ends because the words of God never end. Gratitude to Sheikh Noor meditations on Quran in his book, The Heart of Quran, Sheikh Noor beautifully addresses the Western dervishes who were not raised with Quran. Yeah. And these alighting places, um, this, is what, this is what Sheikh Noor did. Ibn Arabi goes to this place and says, from this place, this surah was revealed and came. So you don't get to that place by going through the surah. You get to that place by going to the place and then coming back through the surah. And so heart of Quran is, this is what you find in that place. And then you can go back and read Quran and say, knowing what is found in that place, how do I now read this verse? Beautiful, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, uh, Salam, sending much love. Thank you for the Allah. Oh, that was to me, sorry. Um, let me thank you all, uh, the rope of Allah for today's session. This was my first live session and what a great session it was. Yes, yes. Yeah, the uthka, uthka, the, the rope that you hold on to. And so the rope that you hold on to is the jamaat, is the ones who are gathered together. And the ones who are gathered together are the ones who are gathered together to celebrate the dhikr of Allah. So all of us who are gathering together to celebrate the dhikr of Allah, we have grabbed onto the rope of Allah. And it just occurred to me yesterday, it was a very strong occurrence to me that, you know, wow, how many minutes and hours have we been listening to the counsel of Ibn Arabi? And Ibn Arabi was told by Haq to counsel my slaves. And you know that that weighed on him. He says, how am I going to counsel them? I'm writing this you know, book of 10,000 pages. And my goodness, how many people are going to be able to read that? And so I'm sure I know that, that when we listen to his counsel, as he was instructed to counsel, there has to be a lot of gratitude flowing. And so we've grabbed onto this rope. We've listened to this counsel. And uh, this is... This is what was meant to be, and it is, and there are, 
there are many in, in, who are grateful that this council is being listened to after all these years, 800 years. So, alhamdulillah. <laughs>